Freddie Mercury did that. Live Aid. Live Aid. Remember? How's everybody? Good. Good to see you. You know what? It's cool. I got to see uh, some of you guys have been out of town enjoying the summer, and as you should. And uh, it's good to see you back. And then there are some that are out of town enjoying these last couple of weeks uh, away from uh, the scholastic responsibility that is coming. There's only three things certain in this world, death, taxes, and school. <laughs> it comes. But with that also comes uh, school clothes shopping, so that's always fun. But um, it's good to see some of you that I haven't got to see in a while, and I hope you were greeted this morning um, by somebody. And uh, that last song and what you said, Nathan, just made me feel like, you know, I hope that you know today that, um, that you're seen and that you have infinite value, um, regardless of how that looks in, in the world or at your job or wherever it is where you feel like you're just another person there and not seen um, the God who created this universe sees you and when he, when he does he sort of stops in his tracks and uh, I was just reminded of that this morning that, that you have infinite worth and value. Uh, before we get into our study I want to just real quick um, an announcement. Um, tomorrow night is so you know, we have seasons of different emphasis around here. We're coming into the fall season, so be on the lookout for some cool things that are going on in the fall. We'll be talking about kicking off life groups and what that looks like here and being part of the bridge and how we value community and how church isn't just on Sunday, but that's all coming. We'll talk about that as we step into the fall and in the winter months. But in the summer, we've this, this summer really felt the emphasis on what the Lord was calling us to do was to really lean in to his leading, that he wanted to share some things with us that he would have for us in the coming seasons. And so every second and fourth um, Mondays of the month, we've been getting together right here for prayer and just seeking the Lord and trying to listen together collectively. And it's been, if you've been to those times, you know they've been powerful because we have heard God's leading and directing by scriptures he's given, songs we've been singing, um, impressions upon our hearts for what God is doing in, the, in our community and in our church and in our families, and, and we've been really blessed. I know I have, because I'm always saying, Lord, where will we go next? What portion of scripture would be best for the bridge to go through next? What just we're always asking and seeking and knocking, and he's so faithful to answer. So t- uh, tomorrow night is going to be our uh, final uh, prayer night, seeking the Lord night for the summer in the context that we're having it. They're not going to stop. We're going to continue them on, continue them on. Yes, that's what I said. And because um, God is speaking to us, I don't want them to stop. So we're going to keep doing it. But if you haven't been or if you have tomorrow night, um, 6.30 to 8 here, we'll be doing that. Sound good? Okay, with that being said, why don't you guys open up your Bibles to, to Mark chapter 13. Last week I ended our message by saying this. When, when Jesus was looking at the temple and the disciples said, Jesus, look how dope that is. 
They didn't say that. They said, look at how majestic and how awesome that is. And Jesus looked and he said, I tell you, actually not, not one of those stones will be left standing. And then Jesus is going to go into a teaching to his disciples. And I, and I ended last week by saying this. Every man-made system, system, government, structure, made by mankind, humans, will have an ending. There will come a time when man-made systems stop and all that's left is God's made system. There will be one system, one perfect system. Perfect system. And then Jesus is going to go into what we're going to spend the next couple of weeks covering. Because when we talk about things like the end of the world, a lot of stuff can come to your mind. Depending on your particular literary genre of choice or Netflix show of choice, in your mind when you're thinking about the end of the world, there could be zombies involved. There might be uh, the upside down. There could be all sorts of things that could come to mind. And I've given a lot of thought about how deep to go into teaching about end of days type of stuff. A lot of thought and prayer and been back and forth and even torn in my heart and in my mind at how deep to go, how much to do on a Sunday morning with the church that I've been called to pastor. And you may be asking, well, why? Because I believe that in some ways more harm than good has been done or can be done when teaching about the things that Jesus is going to talk about here. When we talk about the end of things uh, as they are now and the beginning of what is known as Jesus' reign upon the earth in heaven and what all of that looks like. And especially what's done harm. I remember being a kid before I ever followed Jesus or really gave him like much thought that, that, um, there was a, that he was even like real. You know, when you would be sick home from school, there was this thing back in the day called daytime TV. Anyone ever watch daytime TV? Don't lie, people. If you are over 40, you watch daytime TV. You couldn't just stream anything you wanted. You watched what was on there. And before Maury Povich came on, there was this commercial always that talked about what the end of the world's going to be like. And you can know for three payments of blah, 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 and you bought this dude's books on what the end of the world was going to be. And uh, there's so much stuff out that like, like that out there. So what we're going to do for the next three weeks, we're going to do a mini-series. The series we've been in is the Gospel of Mark. We've been calling it the face of God. For when you look into the face of Jesus, you are looking at the face of God. But now on this next portion of scripture, I'm going to do a little sub-series on Jesus' teaching on the things in the final days. And we're going to call it, it's the end of the world as, as we know it. And this is the part right here. 
guys remember Tommy Boy? Okay. It's the end of the world as we know it. Before we read this text, and since REM so kindly broke it down for us, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. In all seriousness, Lord, there is something that is said right there that I think is amazing. It's the end of the world as we know it. But as we follow you, as we are led by your spirit, as we are led by your words, they are light. They are a light to our path. They illuminate even our our very souls. That there is a chance that we can keep moving forward, not with fear, but with joy and peace as we seek to honor you in our lives in this church. Would you bless this time of teaching and would you speak to us lord in jesus name we pray amen it's the end of the world as we know it i want you to picture this in your mind real quick i want you to picture me taking a 1000 piece puzzle any puzzle putter togethers out there god bless you people steph loves puzzles We're coming into the season where it's dark like 22 hours of the day around here, so it's about to be puzzle season. You ever take a thousand-piece puzzle and then just dump it out on the table, and the pieces are facing every which way, and some of them are right side up, and some of them are upside down? Now imagine taking that puzzle box and then just scattering it across the stage and floor, and there's just pieces all throughout. I want you to keep that picture in mind as we teach these things over the next couple weeks and as you as a spirit-filled follower of Jesus as you read the scriptures and you see pieces here and there that speak about ends of days end of the world when things come to an end and Jesus inaugurates new things each piece of the puzzle has a little picture on it and when it comes to stuff, the, the Christian word for it or the churchy word for it is um, eschatology. Sorry, I was thinking ecclesiology, which is another fancy word that I know. <laughs> no big deal. It means ecclesiology. It means how you do church. You could just say, hey, how you do church. Or you could say, this is our ecclesiology. Eschatology means the, what you believe about the things that are going to happen at the end. In essence, it's saying, as you read throughout the Bible, there are pictures, there are pieces to pick up that talk about the Savior that's going to come, what his kingdom is going to look like. Jesus fulfilled a lot of this stuff. And so you can start putting pieces together. Like when you put together a puzzle, and you get a few pieces that fit, and you're like, oh, look flowers that's great where do these flowers go in the bigger thing you put the border together um, then you start piecing things your eschatology is the way you put the pieces together okay that's the you're putting together of the pieces now this is good because there are pieces scattered throughout the bible it's on purpose They're not like just by accident in there. 
There's a lot of stuff that talks in the Bible that shows us why about a fourth or fifth of the a big old chunk of the portion of our Bibles is actually prophetic in nature, meaning God knows stuff we don't know. And so he tells us beforehand, then when it happens, we say like, God, you're so good. You know stuff that I don't know. Therefore, I place my trust in what you know, not my trust in what I know. It leads into a greater faith. So there, there are pieces scattered. This is good. But the primary reason for putting any puzzle together is not to see how many pieces there are, but to put together one final picture, to see the end result. So no matter where you are in your walk with God, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you've pastored a church for a long time, you've written books on the matter, wherever you are or you're here curiously saying, Hey, I have a, someone who was invited me here today said this could be a place with a, with a healthy community to, to establish some, some more healthy rhythms in my life. And you're just here, no matter where you're at, as you grow in your understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is, what the Bible is, what the Bible says, you will start to gather pieces and you start to put them together. And then when it comes to things that we're going to spend the rest of this morning talking about, things that we can see and we experience Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then when we go into where there is no such thing as time, but you're always in the present. As we walk through these things and as you grow, if you're anything like me, you'll start to put together pieces and you're like, oh, I'm getting it. Wow, this is crazy. This is so amazing. And then you learn something else and you're like, oh, I had that wrong. So then you take your pieces together or apart and you're like, okay. And then you start putting them back together again. And then you learn and then you grow. And then you, somebody says something and that takes your pieces apart and you start to, it's called growing in faith and that's okay. But as you start to grow and put together pieces about things that the Bible says, a couple of things can happen. One thing that can happen is you can actually become scared. You ever looked at this thing and you're like, yeah, I like the parts about Jesus. He seemed like worth following and I could understand what he's saying. But there's some stuff in there that's like crazy. A valley of dry bones. A dragon that, like, oh, you know, that, that comes out of this pit. And, like, I don't know about all that stuff. I can't understand that type of stuff. So we just leave it. We feel like it's, it's on the fourth floor. We're just standing at the street looking at the front door. I don't know. I don't know if I want to go in or if I have the knowledge or the ability to go to the fourth floors where they're discussing those types of things. So you get scared and you don't talk about it. So you keep your faith hidden because... While you like Jesus and want to follow him, someone comes to you and they'll put you on blast with something. Well, what about this? And you don't know how to answer that. So you don't answer it. So you just, you're like, you know what? It's just easier for me if I just keep my faith to myself. When you know in your heart, Jesus says, I want you to be a light at work or at school. 
But these things don't play out when we talk about some of the weightier aspects of Scripture, so you just don't do anything with it. Or what can happen, um, you feel like you have to become an expert and the authority on the subject. This could even be more dangerous. And start predicting things like when Jesus is going to come back. You know that's happened, and for everyone that's predicted the day in which Jesus was going to come back, it didn't work out super well. And it's not because they had a um, wrong heart about the issue. It's just that they had put together certain pieces, and they didn't fit. Another possibility, and this is the reality in which I personally live, and I feel that I am in good company with the disciples that we're going to look at here in a sec, with people like Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, King David, the, the apostle John who wrote the book of Revelation, and every person who has gone before me who died in faith and rose seeing Jesus face to face, instead of a puzzle that, of pieces that fit perfectly and interlock perfectly, you start to see these things as more of a mosaic of pictures. On your computer, do you ever have slideshows of your photos? I love looking at pictures of my family and remembering when the boys were two, three. You look back and you're like, oh man, that was so fun. But our brains always want to put things into chronological order. Oh, this goes here. Oh, yeah, and then that went there, remember, because this happened, and, and then this went here, and then, oh, yeah, and then that happened afterwards. And we tend to do that with things of God, but as we'll see, it's instead of things that go in chronological, perfect order, it's more like a mosaic of pictures. So when the slideshow would go by on my computer screen, the, the picture I was looking at, it would start shrinking. And it would shrink and shrink and shrink. And then other ones would come in next to it. And it would get super small. And then that just became one little portion of the next picture. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that before? When all these pictures come to make one big picture? I want you to keep that in your mind as we're reading through these things. Because there are pictures all over the Bible. There are puzzle pieces. And they fit together, but there's not. sometimes the edges aren't super clean. They sort of overlap a little bit. And it's not being a, a peace um, expert. It's about seeing the big picture. So with all of that being said, let's look at this teaching by Jesus called the Olivet Discourse that came immediately following his, predict, his prediction or prophecy his foretelling of the destruction of the temple at jerusalem which we talked about last week so in chapter 13 verses 3 through 13 let's look at this actually let's start in verse 1 i'll read that to you sorry if uh, i didn't give that one to you uriah but we'll start in verse 1 and he came out of the temple speaking of jesus and one of his disciples said to him Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. 
And Jesus said to them, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Go back, last week's message, we talked about this. It was uh, worth a listen, I think. Verse 3, and as he sat down on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will all these things be, and what will be the sign when all of these are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, now if you're a Bible highlighter person like I am, I got all sorts of marks and, and, and stuff that I jot down in the margins. Um, I'll jot down some stuff that I think is worth highlighting or words worth circling because they're, they call attention to certain things. So, and then Jesus began to say to them, verse 5, and I think this is worth underlining, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. Verse 7. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, this is worth underlining, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, but be on your guard. For they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are going to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will all be hated for all by my, for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's heavy scripture. No way around the seriousness of some of the things that Jesus says. So what are we to do with scriptures like these? When Jesus says, follow me, I um, for my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and then here he says some things that are going to take place. Now they're future in nature. So who is Jesus talking to? When you read things that talk about the future, you have to understand primarily Who is this being written to? It was, before it was written, it was spoken. Spoken by Jesus to James, John, Peter, and Andrew on the Mount of Olives, looking across the valley at the temple. They had just left the temple. And they, as they were walking, they turned around, and the temple complex, 36 acres, you know, 400 400 meters wide by 500 meters long. It was gigantic. And they get across and they turn around and they're like, wait, how is that even possible? 
the stones the size that they are, and Jesus says, I tell you, not one will be left standing. And so they get there, and then they said, How, when will this happen? And what, sh- what are the signs that we should be looking for? So this was first written to the first century church that suffered brutally under Roman rule. So there are things in here where you read, and you're like, given over to council, stand before kings. I live in a country that doesn't have a king. How does that work for me? What is that going to look like? Well, some of these things take place a few years later, just a, less than a year later, in the book of Acts, where they're literally standing before rulers, captured the night before in their beds, and then standing before, and they're like, what do you have to say? And so when Jesus said, don't worry about it, because you're going to be taken, you're going to stand before kings, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you what to say. What to say? Put a little mark in your Bible and write Acts chapter 4. Write Acts chapter 7. Go read those now, having thinking, having this fresh in your mind of what Jesus said. A lot of this stuff, it's mosaic pieces that overlap. We think of everything chronologically. Like this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and then when all of this happens in this order that this person laid out, then you know you're on the right track. And Jesus is saying, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, but primarily he was writing to them. It was also written to Christian brothers and sisters throughout the ages with each one of their unique circumstances, whether personal or national. It was written to us, as we'll see how it applies, and it is written for my kids and for your kids and for their kids, and however many subsequent generations come along, it will be equally relevant until Jesus does return, and he is returning. The purpose of this teaching that Jesus says was not to give us details about the future, but to provide assurance of his rule. Can I say that again? The primary purpose of the Olivet Discourse is not to give all of the details about the end of the world, but it's to provide confidence and comfort in the faith of Jesus' followers, knowing that he has it under control. Faithful in the present, looking toward the future. There's a great balance in perspective that's given. So today, we're going to call this message, The Signs of the Times. Next week, I'm going to call it Signs of the End. And then the following week, I'm going to call it Signs of Jesus' Return. Verses 3 through 13, talking about the signs of the times. Look at what he says. He says, these are things that we are to expect in the time between his ascension, when he went to heaven, and when he returns, when he comes back. He says this in verse... Verse 7. Do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. 
Now, some people will say that this teaching right here is talking about a specific period of time, and it is, but we're just going to say it's talking about the time between when Jesus went to heaven, 50 days after he was crucified and, and rose from the dead, and when he comes back. It's in that period of time. He said, these things must take place. But he says, but the end is not yet. So these are not specific signs of the end, but signs of the times. Let's just look at a couple of these, and then we're going to look at how he calls us to live in in these times. How about this one? He says, false teachers. Um, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. False teachers. You know what's interesting? Throughout the Bible, throughout the rest of the New Testament, one of the main things that is taught and people are reminded of is not to be led astray by certain things that people teach. I've had a discussion with some other pastors before because the Bible says that there will be pastors that lead churches that will be wolves in sheep's clothing. That's not like this metaphorical thing like, well, it is a metaphorical thing, but it's not like a, um, oh, yeah, you know, that could happen. It's like, no, that, that could be you. And so we had just a, a discussion And it says, do wolves know that they're wolves? Think about it. And we went back and forth. And I can't say that we came to a definite, like, yeah, like that pastor is going to be standing up there being like, I am taking advantage of all of these people for my own personal gain. Is it possible that it's like what Jesus said to the Pharisees, you blind guides. It's like the blind leading a blind. You're both going to be led astray. And it's like when Paul says to Timothy, but you give yourself entirely to these things that all will see your progress. For in doing so, you will not only save yourself, but also your hearers. Is there this this sense that we are constantly giving ourselves over to what God is doing um, and being led by him? Is Is there a way that sometimes people will be leading others astray and not know it? So for you church goers to put all of your stock into what one person says is going to happen at the end of the world, here's what I'm trying to say. You have as much access to the pieces as anybody. As the mosaic pictures throughout scripture talking about who Jesus is, what his kingdom is like, the signs of the times in which we live. What are things to be looking out for? What is it that you're supposed to be doing in the meantime? What is the big picture? You, the, equal, uh, the Holy Spirit is the most equal opportunity employer of all time. You don't have to go to school for him. You just have to be available and be willing to be filled. So false teachers... All throughout the rest of the New Testament, there are warnings. Look at this warning. Paul, who was a big church planner, said this to like his little brother who took over his church. He said in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, he says, look, understand this, Timothy. In the last days, there will will come times of difficulty. 
For people will be, now let's just listen to this list. People will be lovers of self. Do we live in a time where people love themselves? How many followers do you have? Um, we, we love ourselves so much. They will be lovers of money. Is that going on? They will be proud. They will be arrogant. They will be abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. You know anybody that talks smack? You ever have a conversation when you, you, you leave the conversation and you know that now you're the one being talked about? People love to talk about other people and put them down to make themselves feel better. Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than loving God. And then it says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. This is what Paul says to Timothy. Do not hang out with people like that. Jesus is saying in the last days it will be like this. Paul tells Timothy in the last days it will be like this, meaning they fully believed they were living in the last days. They were like, do you see this? And they're like, yeah, this is my, the world I live in, trying to, trying to be a leader in our culture, a man of the city in a world like this, a woman of the city in the world like this. These are the last days. We've never been closer to the end, us, in this room, than any generation who's ever gone before us. Think about that. If there was a fourth quarter team other than the Broncos, <clears throat> it would be the church of 2022. Not only are we around at this time, we were perfectly built and positioned for such a time like this. So it would be good to know what quarter we're in and what we're playing for. But there are false teachers. There are things that people want to say. Actually, what's really being said here is, and you can't trust the people who say this. They want to be experts, and sometimes they haven't even put all the pieces together themselves. Now, there are some that would just want to turn you away from the truth, um, but I think a lot of times the more I've grown, and you guys, I'm all in process, by the way. I'm at a certain place, and I have opinions on what I think a different texts are talking about but we're trying to look at the big picture because we're all growing. We're all in process. And if I could just let you know, there are no experts. You know why? Because Jesus said, let me, let me take any expert on the... Now, there are really smart people who have wrote really helpful books and resources for us to look into and can help us understand and break down books like Revelation and books of Daniel and these things that are talk, being talked about. But there are no experts. Here's why I know. Because Jesus said, it is not for you to know things that the Father has set in his own place. He was like, there are some pieces I'm purposefully not going to put out there. You can't put them all together perfectly. Because what Jesus wants more than anything is trust and faith. Now, he's not like, I'm not going to put any out. He puts tons, thousands thousands but there are some you just can't put together 
The second thing he said, there's going to be wars. Do you know what there's always been? Wars. You know, I was reading something this week, last week that was talking about World War I and World War II. It was called the wars to end all wars. They thought that was it. World War III, if it happens. And here's what I wonder. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. You know, before there was nations, there was kingdoms. You had a certain area. You had your walls. You had your armies, your chariots, and all that stuff. I personally like the TV shows that aren't real, that it's like what the world's going to be like after nuclear fallout. I just am like, I would be good at that. <laughs> going to like hunt rabbits and run through the woods. It's all, they're all filmed up here anyways. It's like um, Squamish is right there. I'm like, we're there. It's what it's going to be like. I like those just thinking about, but do you, you always notice it's like it goes back to like, more primitive nation kingdom I don't know what it's going to look like at the end but there have always been wars there continue to be wars they're not signs of the end they're signs of the times but it does say things will like birth pains these are but the beginning of sorrows some of your bibles might say the other ones would say these are the beginning of birth pains now to anyone who's ever given birth God bless you. Um, none of us would be here. Um, but I do know this. The closer they get to the, the closer you get to birth, the pains get closer together and worse. These are the beginning of birth pains. Something that's going to happen with more rhythm closer in, together you can time them but at the end of it what happens new life it's not the, just the destruction of what was it's this whole new thing jesus is painting pictures for us these are signs of the time and this helps us as followers of jesus because then we remember remember our battle is not is not against people it's not against people it's against evil. It, it's against the evil that actually pits people against each other. The next thing he says is there will be natural disasters or famines and pestilences. Things like COVID-19. These are not signs of, necessarily signs of God's judgment when there's an earthquake. Earthquakes will happen in various places. When you see a, the latest YouTube video of like some crazy flash flood that happens somewhere or a landslide that happens or a volcano erupting or a tsunami that happens, it's important because sometimes when people follow th uh, theological trains to a certain thing, then all of a sudden God is judging people by natural disasters. That's not what he's saying. He's like, these things, they happen. Do you guys know that not only do we, our souls, cry out to be put together properly, but the actual earth does? It says the earth groans with sighs for the day that it can be as God created it to be. There are many different reasons that cause natural disasters. 
and earth itself longs to be made new. It says that this, there will be great division. Anybody notice great division in the world in which you live? Great polarity. I'm blown away by the hatred I see. It hurts me. And you know what even hurts more? When I find myself having hateful thoughts towards someone. These aren't just the signs of the times for us to point a finger out there. These are the signs of the times in which we are fighting through. So what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live in times like this? This is the point of the Olivet Discourse. He's talking to people who were waiting for something to happen, and they were like, what do we do? How do we live? And this is what Jesus says to them. So I put a couple of things. Maybe you can jot these down. Can't wait till we start life groups again so we can come together. This is what we do at life groups here at the bridge. We take the things that are being spoken on Sunday, and then we gather with some people from church um, on a midweek night, evening, afternoon. We have some uh, midday ones as well. But, um, and we discuss these things, and we'll look at these points, and then we'll be like, what does this look like? How can we pray for each other, and how can we be together? It's actually, it's amazing. Um, I'm looking forward to getting those started back up. But here's, here's a couple of things to what we do in times like these and in the, the signs of the times in which we live. The first one is this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, he talked about a lot of crazy things happening in there. And he says, watch out, be on your guard. So there are things that we're supposed to be kind of on the lookout for. Things that we're supposed to notice. What happens is we start to notice more of the bad than the good. When you become, you know you're focusing too much on the negative and the bad when you become overly negative and critical. Because the scripture says whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, whatever is of good report, meditate on these things. These are the things that we give our brains and our hearts, but meditation, it's not the the natural um, way of things. It takes effort. The other night, we sat down to pray as a family, and finding things to be thankful for almost hurt a little bit. But of course, there always is. And we were able, I was able to thank God with my family for all sorts of stuff. And it began to do what it always does. It comforted my heart and my mind. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is our fixed point. When Jesus is your fixed point, uh, hashtag, Compass Rose series from like a year or two ago. Um, The first message of the series, True North. Jesus is the North Star. When you look at the sky at night and you see those really cool photos on Instagram, wherever you look, where the slow shutter speed and the, and the, the stars are this big swirl in the picture, the night pictures, you know what I'm talking about? 
There's only one star in that whole picture that never moves. It's always the same. Everything moves around that star. That's the North Star in the, southern, in the Northern Hemisphere. And Jesus is our fixed point because no matter what you do, you move toward that star, you're traveling in the right direction. You follow other things, you get off. So Jesus is our true north, our fixed point. That's why he says, don't be deceived. See that no one leads you astray. Be on your guard. Don't panic. When you know Jesus, it's easier to spot a fake. When you can hear Jesus' voice, Jesus says, my sheep know me. They hear my voice, and I call them, and they follow me. He's speaking to people in general. When you listen to, some of you, maybe all you get from today is this. When you listen to Jesus' voice primarily, it will help drown out the unhealthy voices in your life, even your own. Sometimes the worst voice you can listen to is your own voice. You need to hear Jesus is above that. Sometimes we lead ourselves astray. If your end times chronology is right, meaning if you could take every piece of the puzzle scattered from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Revelation 21, there are pieces scattered about how God has all things in control and how he created all things and how he is going to recreate all things and then he calls himself the alpha the beginning and the omega the end he is in that whole bit but if you could personally put all of that stuff together perfectly with no mistakes and you didn't love your enemy you would do more harm than good. If your end times chronology is right and your love is off, we're doing more damage than good and we're missing the big picture by focusing on the pieces. So I put it like this. In the, in the signs of the times and the day in which we live, could we focus more on the person than on the pieces? You, as a follower of Jesus, keep your eyes on him. When you open your Bible in the morning, because any true believer opens their Bible in the morning only. Can't open it in the afternoon or the evening. I'm just kidding. But if you open and you say, Lord, show me you. That's why we titled the Gospel of Mark, The Face of God. Because I felt the Lord was telling me, I want people to look at me right in my eyes and see me. And if you want to see God, see Jesus. Jesus is God. If you want to see Jesus, look into the word of God. Because he is all throughout. Even in all of these pieces, they form the face of God, his control. The second thing, the signs of the times. Not signs of the end. How are we to live? Let me say this, look for a way through, not a way out. We want to look for a way through, not a way out. So a lot of people that are panicked, 
and we're like, get us out of here. This is too much. I'm ready to, I can't handle it anymore. But our good shepherd, when we read Psalm 23, what does he do? He brings rest, and then he leads us through dark valleys to get us to new feeding grounds. That's why when you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. What needs to be restored? Something that is out of whack. And he restores. Even though I I will not be afraid, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for he is with me. He is leading us. Surely goodness and mercy shall dwell. And then you see that like, oh my gosh, even in times like these, God, you are with me. My cup overflows. I am so blessed. I have so much to be thankful for. Fill me with more of your love, Lord. Help me to to receive more of who you are. Not just have all our ducks in a row as far as what's going on in the world and who's bad and who's good and all of this stuff, but he is transforming us from the inside. And he says, now you're my light. That is salt to a dying and thirsty world. So look for a way through not a way out. Look at this, this verse. I, there's a couple in here that are just these key verses that I love. Verse 13, the second part. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. We are called to keep pushing forward. Why? Did you catch that? Endurance is the victory, not dominance. It's endurance. Another way you could say endurance is being faithful with what God has entrusted to you. It's not necessarily to win, it's to play. Jesus won. Our victory is secure. And he's asking you to be faithful with what he has entrusted to you. Endurance is the victory. Your call as a learner and a follower of Jesus is to be faithful in this world not to fix it. That's tough to hear because there's stuff that we actually have the ability to fix and we should. But what Jesus is saying is he's asking you to be faithful, not to go around fixing. That's why when Jesus said to his disciples, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you'll have problems, but take heart. I have overcome them. There are certain tensions that are meant to be managed and not fixed. That's why we look for a way through, not a way out. So whatever season you're in personally, this will preach to any nation, any state, any political realm. Whatever is going on, God is leading us through. Amen to anybody? Anyone need to be reminded that God is not done? He's wor- Now, imagine the nation of Israel, where they're at. Not one stone will be left on. It's going to get torn down. People would be like, oh, and this is where Jesus gave Israel the boot. No, no, no. There are too many pieces in place. As you look at the end, he is leading them through like Moses in the Red Sea, like the temple that was rebuilt, 
all of the things that are happening, Jesus said, and we'll get to it next week, signs of the end, there's gonna, we're going to get a date. We're going to bring some chronology because there's going to be uh, an event that we can be like, oh, there's a date around this event. There's something going on. And it has everything to do with the nation state of Israel, and it'll be really fun to look at because I can tell by all of your faces that you're super hyped and really engaged and not hot at all. The little Vornado is, needs to work harder over there. I'm almost done, though. We're looking for a way through, not a way out. And the last one is this. In the times in which we live, the signs of the times, the brokenness, the things that are going on, we want to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to look for a way through, not a way out. Oh. I love it when people want to serve with me for the kingdom of God. You know, this is one of my prereq. This is one of the things when we're when someone that I'm going to partner with, I say to them, "We're called to find a way through, not a way out. We're not called to just point out problems. God didn't call us to point out problems. He called us to navigate by His Word and His Spirit and the gifts that you and I share. I I love this. Look for a way through, not a way out." Okay, last one. Keep the gospel the main thing. In verse 10, it says this. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Now, if you look at that with a chronological, like an order of events, you think before, and then you read the rest of this text, you're like, okay, got it. Before Jesus comes back, you could say, Jesus said it in the Olivet Discourse. Before he comes back, the gospel must be proclaimed to all nations. So there have been people, for, there have been a lot of people that take this as their manifesto, missions, organizations, different things, that, that two things can happen. If we can get the gospel to the whole world, we can make Jesus come back sooner. So you can actually read this and be like, the gospel must be First proclaim to all nations, it'll stop the wars and the famines and the earthquakes and all that, and Jesus will return. So get to work, Christian. I don't care about you doing a good job at your work. Are you preaching the gospel to your coworkers? Because if you're not, then you're not doing your job. And then all of a sudden you go to work the next day being like, oh, I'm, I'm so bad at this. At what God has called me to do, and you're, and you're walking in failure and your insecurities, and that's not what this is talking about. This is, there's nothing that you can do, for no one knows the time and the seasons for which the Father has already set in his own authority. He knows exactly what he's doing. So what then does this mean? It means it is of the utmost importance. It is first the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations before we think about all the other stuff that's going on. How do we proclaim the gospel? The first thing is by having Jesus as your true north. The second thing is looking for a way through what God has called you to do. Be faithful in what he has called you. And the third 
is keeping the gospel the main thing. What is the gospel? It's the love of God for the world, the love of God for you, and the love of God for other people. It's both a message and a lifestyle. It's not one without the other. You ever notice how people can preach the word of God and be really mean about it? That's not the whole gospel. To just stand and tell someone with a hateful spirit, Jesus preached the truth, but the way in which he did it, it's God's loving kindness that draws people to himself. We overcome the evil in this world by proclaiming the goodness of God. That's why when we sing those songs, there's nothing better than you. These bones shall sing, great is the Lord. We overcome, you overcome the evil that you're facing by proclaiming the goodness of God. For light shines in the darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. And you are the light of the world. This is what Jesus is saying to these four men. This is the primary call for all believers. It worked for them, for what they were going to endure. Now that you know that it's Peter and James and John and Andrew, keep reading on in the New Testament and see what they go through. John, who was sitting there, wrote the book of Revelation when he was in prison on an island. Peter is going to preach a message that he has no idea what he's going to say. But he opens his mouth and he's available to the signs of the times that God has called him. And he preaches just the, every preacher ever since is like, I want to preach a message. And 3,000 people are like, yeah, sign me up. When's the baptism? You'd be feeling pretty good. Um, James will be killed. They will deliver you over. These things, these things happen. They're not signs of the end, but signs of the times. As we see these things happening in our culture, as we see these things happening and growing with intensity, because they are growing with intensity, I haven't lived in every generation that's ever gone before us. I've only lived in ours and Tried to, try to do my best to learn from those that have gone before us and study a little bit of history and war and the scriptures and all of that stuff. But it seems that there are certain things that are happening with greater frequency. And as we see these things happening with greater frequency, I think we can find ourselves like the disciples asking this. Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom? Here's, this, here's what's going on in our world. We're putting these pieces together from the scriptures, and I was taught that this is what you're going to do next, and so we're waiting. But Jesus seemed to think that the Jews that were alive when he was walking the earth were supposed to know it was him when he showed up, and they missed the point. And he seems to think that we should be able to recognize what he is doing in our day and age by his word as well. So we might find ourselves being like, will you at this time restore the kingdom? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. Here's what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm not looking to take you out, but lead you through this world, he might say. So don't be deceived, y'all. The present hardships that you are facing are not out of God's control. They're factored in. The present things going on in this world are not out of God's control. They're factored in. The world is not beyond hope. Your life is not beyond hope. The people, when you think about people that you like the least, your enemies, they are not beyond God's reach. They are not beyond hope. That's why we as a church try to keep it real simple. We say things like, the bridge, we're here to gather, to grow, and to give. I feel like these are ways to help us simplify taking things that are so complex, so big, and helping us to be faithful with what God has called us to do. All of these things are factored in. Gather, it means that it's about people. There's always room for one more. There's always room for another, regardless of background, upbringing, all of those things. There's room as you gather. It's an outward focus and approach. Growing, that's inward. It's saying, I haven't got it all figured out, but I'm here and I want to keep learning. We're all in process. We're all growing. We get to know each other more. We get to know the Lord more. We get to know his word more, his plans more. We're all in process. And giving is a response. Ah, we see that, God, you are good. We respond in our own lives to the Lord, to our families. We realize that just being faithful is succeeding. And you go home and you're just like, God, thank you for my family. Even last night, you're like, this bunch of crazy people in my house. I wasn't like that. You were probably like that. But then you leave and you're like, God, you're so good. Thank you for this time. Thank you for where I'm at. And then you re-give yourself to your family, to the world. We give Jesus by responding to Jesus. So. As we close, I'm going to pray. We're going to respond to Jesus. We are going to give praise to him through a song. And you're going to make your voice sound as good as you can, whether it's on key or off, because it comes from the heart. We give to God by, by responding with our tithes, with our, with our offerings, with our financial uh, stewardship that God has said, hey, I'm entrusting this amount to you. And we take that part off the top and we say, God, you're so good. And I'm entrusting it back to you. And so we respond. We give of ourselves. And as you leave here today, remember, you are God's ambassador to this world. Not because of all the stuff you know and you know exactly how it's all going to play out, but because you know who you are in Jesus. And you know who that person you're talking to is. You are both made in the image of God. You have infinite value, and God's factored all of it in. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and for your word. We ask that you would receive this song as an act of worship.
We love you, Lord, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.